This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. We're back. Around the Rim, new episode. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, and this is your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am joined once again by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster. Brasby, welcome back, Tarika. We missed you. I'm back. I'm in effect. Much needed vacation. Um, where were you? How was your vacation? Um, give us the scoop. Well, it was great. I went to Orlando. Um, I was there for a conference, but my conference was only three days. So I took the other four days to just enjoy Universal and Disney and time with friends, time with a husband. My liver thanks me for being back. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we are glad that you had a wonderful time. Um, it seems like every time you go away, I seem to think that it is uh, related to your sorority in which you are very active. Um, the blue and yellow. That's about all I know. Tell tell me about your sorority because I'm actually curious. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. We haven't, but I am a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Um, we were founded on November 12th, 1922 on the campus of Butler university in indianapolis indiana and i have been a member for um over a year now so most of the time when i'm gone it is because i'm a super neo so i want to learn everything and do everything and go to every conference my husband is sick of me already so (laughs) (laughs) it comes with the package you know one thing i always say uh, you know when i look back on my college career i wouldn't change a thing like Mm -hmm. it was the best four years of my life obviously played basketball at wake forest Best year, four years of my life so far. I imagine when some kids may hit the scene, you know, that may change. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, but the one thing that I sometimes wish I would have done was join a sorority. Now, I, I made a very, my decision to not join a sorority, I thought through it. And I, and I wholeheartedly still support what I said then, which is I just didn't see myself as the type of person who could follow the crowd to the extent that sororities follow the crowd, right? So there's the initiation process. Um, you know, there was some money involved, I think, which I definitely, my mom was not shelling out dough for, <laughs> for that. Um, but even though I was a part of a sports team, and, and yeah, you are a part of a one unit as a women's basketball player, I felt like a sorority or fraternity, it's more of your character um, kind of following this one path. And and now that I look at it, I mean, gosh, when I look at the beautiful women I see in your pictures of sorority, um, you know, the Kappas, the guys, mm-hmm. or the, the AKAs, the Delta, some of my best friends are in sororities. I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that sisterhood. But I just wasn't mature enough um, at that phase of my life to do that. So, well, I yeah. will say this before closing, that it is never too late. I literally <laughs> just became a member last year as a 31-year-old woman. I saw woman. that. So I saw that. I, I was a working college student. I, I played volleyball. I played softball. I was a full-time bartender. So, honestly, I had no time for pledging in college. But I was determined, so it's never too late. Huh. Okay, well, that's encouraging. And, yes, I do remember that actually now. So, sorry, fans. We got off on a little side note, but Tarika uh, is very involved. And shout out to everybody who is a part of a sorority or fraternity. And with that, we are just going to jump right into the first quarter. First quarter. So, folks, it's the first quarter, which means we're blowing the whistle. And I wanted to give you just a quick rundown on on what we're going to do in the show. So, this is our first show back since... Um, All-Star. We actually did a preview of All-Star. We had Tina 
Tisha Penichero um, and Penny Taylor on and talked a little bit about what we're looking forward to. But now Michelle Vopel will join the show and we'll look high side. And I just wanted to say this, um, you know, all star was amazing. Whenever I'm with people who, who love the WNBA and love women's basketball as much as, as I do, I just, it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, I mean, our colleagues at ESPN, that covered the all-star Rebecca Lobo, Holly Rowe, Ryan Rucco, our producer, um, Rodney Vaughn, um, our director, Bonnie Riley, our wonderful supporting cast. Like we all are two feet in when it comes to this game. So to be around people that, that love it this much, in addition to players and coaches, it, it just gives me a feeling I, I can't explain because this is my passion. This is what I, this is what I love. But I think the thing, and I wanted to share this with Tarika, that I just appreciated more than anything on this particular trip was the number of people who either yelled at me or tapped me on my shoulder or came up to me and said, we love Around the Rim. Like, we love your podcast. Like, I had people screaming it to me a couple times as I was walking down the orange carpet and some of the other all-star festivities. And it just really made, made me feel good, you know? I mean, we do this for the fans. We do this for... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we do this for the players and the coaches. You know, we want to tell the stories of these amazing women athletes, the best in the world, and about this league and about how inspiring, um, you know, sport can be, regardless of the sport. Just just all the things that are going on, including the incredible product on the floor, which was on display during All-Star. So I just want to say to the fans, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Um, continue to download us um, on the ESPN app. If you use Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. You can subscribe on the ESPN app as well. You get a notification when there's a new show. But we love to hear from you. Um, we're on social media, Twitter, hashtag Around the Rim, whether you like it, love it, can't stand it. Um, me and Tariq aren't sensitive. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Uh, yeah, so. we're good. Yeah, yeah. We just want to hear from you guys. And um, if anything, we just want to say thank you to those that have been rocking with us. We're just getting started. We have so much great content planned for the rest of WNBA season. And um, with that, let's go ahead and kick it to the second quarter with Michelle Vopel. Second quarter, inside the huddle. Well, basketball fans, to help us recap just what was a fabulous weekend, WNBA All-Star Weekend in Seattle, please join me in welcoming to the show ESPNW writer Michelle Vopel. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, glad to be here. So, wow. I mean, fantastic would be the first word that comes to mind when I think about the city of Seattle, the Storm Organization, our unofficial but official hosts in Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird. Um, I mean, the game itself, just what were your immediate takeaways or some highlights for you of uh, WNBA All-Star on or off the court? I think it was really, really nice to see the game so embraced um, in the city and certainly the the fans who are, I, I imagine, a great majority of those were Storm fans, although I know you know fans came from across the country to, to see the game, but for the Storm fans to be able to show how knowledgeable and passionate they are about basketball, uh, All-Star games are always about you know celebrating your own All-Star, and obviously the biggest cheers were for Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, which was really emotional, I think, for all of us, and I know for those two players. But I was just struck by how the fans 
how loud they were for everybody. You know, like yes. they they were so passionate and loud and welcoming. And uh, th- this organization started this process last fall. Uh, it, it's not easy to host an all-star game. There's a lot of financial things you have to figure out to make sure uh, that it works. And being on the West Coast, obviously, they're the <laughs> franchise that's furthest away uh, from, mm-hmm. from the WNBA office. So they had a lot of things to work out to make this happen. And they really worked really hard to do it, to not just make it about a game, but at an entire experience. Yeah, you know, I really, and while we're talking about this, want to give a shout out to Kim Veal, who handles the PR for the Seattle store. They started to roll out um, the events. I mean, as soon as they got the okay to do so, I mean, the involvement and what they did at the Space Needle, having the players there. I know you were there, Lisa Borders. Um, the color orange represented across the city in various places, um, including the Ferris wheel, the famous Ferris wheel. Uh, I mean, it was just the the environment was just magical. You know, it's everything a WNBA fan, player, coach, anyone involved with the league w- would want for that all-star experience. Um, talk about it. We'll talk about a couple of game-related things. So, um, the three-point contest was back, and I thought it was just a fantastic piece uh, that fit into halftime of the All-Star game. And the finals came down to Sugar Rogers and Allie Quigley, and what a great story. Allie Quigley, a player who has been bounced around um, to in three, if not four, teams in the WNBA since um, joining the league and has really found her stride this year. She's named an All-Star. Then she wins it. Um, and of course, the WNBA made a ten thousand uh, dollar donation to a charity of Allie's choice, which she uh, donated to a foundation dedicated to her late father. But great story there. Um, obviously, Sugar Rogers is also a great story. But when thinking about the game, there were ten first time All Stars, eight on the East Eastern Conference. Uh, two on the West. Michelle, what does that say to you about the league, and what did you get from those first-timers? What did you take away from your time and your interactions with them? It says that there's, you know, the the reinforcements, if you will, uh, that are that are in the pipeline. And we had some players there that are the epitome of what we think of as the first you know, 20 years of the WNBA, even if they weren't there for that whole 20 years, they were certainly, they have connections to the players who were even at the beginning. And that's players like Sue Bird and Diana Tarazi. Uh, now that Tamika Catchings has retired, they're, they're largely the senior spokeswomen um, at, at the All-Star game. And then you have players like Ajankel Jones, who's just in her second season. What I also saw, along with the the play and obviously there's not much defense but it was it was fun it was fun to watch we saw a lot of different skills but i also saw the interaction between players and younger players talking to older players about a lot of different topics including you know team building and uh you know off-court opportunities and branding and they they were all talking to each other about a lot of different things and and different generations, you know, relating to each other, which I think is a great thing because that's part of the, I think, strength of the WNBA is that everybody does really feel like they're in it together to to make the league work. Yeah, one moment that stood out for me, I'm looking at the East. So you, you mentioned the game itself. The West did win. 
130 to 121. Maya Moore was the MVP. I don't think there was any doubt that Maya was going to win the MVP. Two things for me stood out. Number one, she lost the three-point contest. So Maya was probably fuming um, after that because she doesn't take losing lightly. But also, I was watching her in her pregame regimen, and, and Maya being Maya, just who she is, she did everything the way she would for a normal game. You know, she, she just brought that serious tone. She did have fun in the game itself, but, you know, her stretching and a lot of things she does, I mean, she approached this like a, a regular game. But So final score, 130 to 121. But looking at the East, again, they had eight first-timers. Um, Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones were in the starting lineup from Connecticut. Tiffany Hayes um, is also a first-timer. They had four total in the starting lineup. Jasmine Thomas, you can add to that, also from Connecticut. And then um, coming off of the bench, they had Allie Quigley, Sugar Rogers, Lasia Clarendon, um, who I thought was fantastic, and Elizabeth Williams, Lasia Clarendon in that game had 14 points and 10 assists, which 10 assists was actually tied the assist record in the All-Star game, but Sue Bird broke that um, in her hosting debut for the for the All-Star festivities with 11 assists. But going back to the East in particular, you know, Tina Charles and Candace Dupree had the most experience for this group. Stephanie Dolson had also been an All-Star. They were without Elena Deladon because of injury, but Tina, one thing that stood out to me, you know, Tina, um, early in the season, John Quell said, you know, there's been some players that have reached out to me. She said, Tina Charles is someone that comes to mind. She said, after one of our games, she pulled me aside, told me how proud she was of me and what I was doing and just offered up her, her some encouragement. And I asked Tina about that. And, and to your point, you know, Tina said, when I was younger, it was Lisa Leslie, it was Lauren Jackson who said to me, hey, we we want to encourage you. Like, we think you're great. We think you're awesome. And Tina even used the word amazing when, when describing John Quill Jones. So to your point, you could kind of see, like, this veteran presence on both the East and West that were embracing the younger players. Um, Diana Tarazi actually encouraged John Quill Jones to dunk at the end of the game. I don't think she was going to do it. All the players kept saying, She's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. But when Diana Taurasi asks you to do something, Michelle, you know that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might want to jump on in and do it. So it was just a fantastic time had by all. I enjoyed ESPN did a great job with their coverage, especially, um, you know, having Diana join the broadcast from the bench um, and give some of her tidbits. Um, you know, there was some fill, so we got to hear from a lot of players. So hopefully the fans enjoyed the experience. I had a great time. I know you did. So thanks again to the Storm owners, the front office fans, and everyone for, for just a wonderful, wonderful WNBA All-Star. Now, Michelle, as we turn the page from, from All-Star, we want to start looking ahead to what's coming next in the season. What's coming down the pipeline? What are we looking forward to with these teams as they finish up the second half, what kind of things are standing out for you right now? I think, you know, we've got this, uh, this log jam that it's going to be interesting to see who is able to break out of it. If, if, if any teams are, or if we're really going to come down to like the last day in terms of who is securing <laughs> those last playoff spots, you mentioned Lasia, Lasia Clarendon coming off the bench uh, at the All-Star game. And while her first game back <laughs> with Atlanta, she gets a triple-double. Wow, and, right. Um, Brittany Sykes, who I think is in the in the race for uh, Rookie of the Year, who's had, I mean, really come on strong, as you know, being there in Atlanta, really come on strong the last um, 11 games or so. 
uh, that Atlanta franchise is interesting because right now they're 10 and 11, but I think they've gone 5 and 5 in their last 10 games, and we're seeing a really strong um, guard presence emerging with that team. Obviously, Tiffany Hayes and Elizabeth Williams also were all stars off that that squad. So without Angel McCautry, this is a group that's you know sort of has finding its identity and um, you know and, and could make a little bit of a run here. But then you look at that you know this whole other group of teams, let's say that are 11 and 10 or 10 and 10 or 11 and 12 or 10 and 11 or 9 and 12. I mean, that, that whole group. And it's really hard to figure out who's going who's gonna to emerge to take the more advantageous uh, playoff spots, if you will. The one thing I think we, we can see for sure uh, still is that uh, the Minnesota Lynx have separated themselves. They had a tough game mm-hmm. on Tuesday night that only won by one point, but still they won. So it's that's that's what's going to be interesting. Who is going to really be able to establish themselves, or is it basically going to be a free-for-all right up until the end? Yeah, and you make, you make a great point about those teams that are kind of lumped together. Um, Connecticut has done a good job of separating L.A., Minnesota, um, um, Washington, and then Phoenix, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brittany Griner. They're saying she has about two weeks left um, on the injury list. She had a, a, a bone bruise to the knee and then a sprained ankle. So she is on the mend. But obviously Phoenix has been on the down tilt without her losing um, to Atlanta after the All-Star break and then right before losing to Indiana. You know, the two losses to to, to Minnesota you can kind of swallow um, New York Liberty is, is kind of finding their way. You know, they've, they've gotten some more production, better production from Bria Hartley, but they're a cast that after, you know, some, some uh, Eurobasket departures and the injury to Brittany Boyd, it took them longer than I expected to find their stride. Um, Dallas, I saw you tweet about this last night. Ariel Powers is back in the mix. So what will that do for a Dallas team that, if you ask me, is a big surprise? I mean, to have five rookies fairly young team and and the way they've played so far this season I would put them right there with Atlanta um you know Seattle is rather troubling you know they are a team that has struggled and when you look at them on paper what do you make of what Seattle is kind of going through obviously having three number one picks high expectations but very young what are your what are your thoughts on kind of where they are I think they right now they're really struggling to find out exactly. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but what is their identity? Are they Stewie's team? You know, is she is she going to be the person who basically is going to lead them all the time? They've had some games where I feel like maybe Brianna Stewart has not been as aggressive as she might need to be or want to be. Um, how she and Jewel Lloyd mesh together, and then but then there's a question of do they have enough consistent depth um you know beyond their top two scores and and sue bird obviously a point guard i think that's been an issue for them um mm-hmm. and and i think you're right that they've it's every time you think you've seen them sort of maybe gain momentum based based on a victory they have then they seem to backslide a little bit so i think they are a team right now that you know um, right now they're sitting right outside a playoff spot and I think they're really going to have to find some answers um, to, to be able to, to go into that top eight. Yeah, Indiana and San Antonio looking uh, less like teams that are going to make pushes into the playoffs. We'll keep an eye on that. But Chicago Sky, Amber Stocks has 
um, really reinvigorated this team, and they've been so fun to watch. Allie Quigley, again, one of the best stories we've seen in recent years in the WNBA, so we're also keeping our eyes on them. Um, those are a couple things Michelle and I are looking forward to, but fans continue to watch the WNBA schedule. Um, so many exciting things coming up uh, through the down the stretch of the regular season, including two more matchups between L.A. and Minnesota, which we always look forward to. Third quarter, scouting report. Now, Michelle, before I let you go, I am going to play some sound, which will get us into our final conversation um, about a, a wonderful piece that you wrote on Sue Bird. What's the reaction been like for you over the last, I don't know, this article went viral last night, or the last 18 hours or so? Um, it's been great. You know, a lot of positive feedback. Again, to many people, pretty much everybody who I know or have come across, not a surprise, so it's just been more of a congratulations, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the fact that you even have to do this, I'm sad that it's even an issue still, um, but it is. Um, but yeah, for, for, for the most part, it's been tons of, of positive thoughts. Um, I've had some guys tell me they're disappointed. What can you do? I don't know if we would have ever dated anyway, so it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's been great, um, and there have been some moments where people have told me how touched they are by it, and that's really... That's the part I, I didn't think about, wasn't expecting, didn't do it for that reason, but it, it is really nice to hear. So 15 years in the WNBA, how has the attitude changed on on gay athletes from uh, your, when you broke in to now? Yeah, I mean, it's night and day. Um, night and day. That's the best way I can describe it. It's, it's, it's a total 180. And I think a lot of it is, you know, just with society changing, um, and whatnot. You have younger players who have come in our league, and they've actually been the trailblazers in a lot of ways. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you know, you had your Brittany Griner, who right away getting drafted, you know, told everybody, and then you have Elena Deldon most recently, and, and there's been players throughout, but it's been that younger generation that have actually really blazed the trail. So the voice that you just heard, fans, is that of one Sue Bird, who um, did make her tenth All Star appearance. Obviously, the host city of Seattle has been her home in the WNBA and she opened up to Michelle Vopel um, our guest right now on the show in, in in a just a wonderful wonderful profile in-depth profile on Sue called Ready to Let You In and the interview there on Sports Center touched more on the fact that in this article uh, most people felt like this was Sue coming out. Now, what Sue says is, you know, I've been gay. I just didn't talk about it. Um, but, Michelle, I don't even know where to start. Uh, what did you, what stands out to you most? I mean, this has been, this is a player that's been private um, for most of her, her life, as we know it. Um, doesn't really, you know, talk a lot on a variety of things, definitely does not let you into her personal life. But we've seen Sue change over the years. What did you learn that maybe you didn't know before? I think one of the most interesting things we talked about was her, that she did go through a struggle in terms of staying in Seattle, you know, having that commitment to, to finish out her career there, or maybe going someplace else where she maybe would have a, um, a more immediate chance to win another WNBA title or perhaps going closer to home in New York or maybe both of those things could be satisfied by a move. But she made up her mind to stay uh, because she had such a commitment there. She felt so much a part of it there. Uh, even before Jewel Lloyd and, and Brianna Stewart were headed there, she had made up her mind she was going to stay. And it was interesting talking to her about that because 
she was so open with me about so much of her emotion about that that I I got a feeling that you know as we continue this conversation which I was out there for for 5 days and so I, some of the time I was just at practice sometimes I was you know I was at a fan meet and greet um you know and then a couple of t- different times just with Sue and I by ourselves um talking I felt like she was ready to open up just a little bit more on everything, and that was my goal with the story. It was not intended to be a, a coming-out story, if you will, because I didn't feel like that was what Sue wanted or what she intended to do, but she was wanting to speak more openly about a, a variety of topics. And so that's where the conversation went really pretty naturally. Um, and And it helps that... You know, I've known her and, and interviewed her since she was, like, 18 years old. So there's a trust factor there, um, I feel like, in a good working relationship with, with Sue that, you know, she trusted that I wanted to tell this really complete story about her. And part of that was, um, you know, that, that she is gay and that she's in a relationship with Megan Rapino. But there were all these other aspects of her and her life and her beliefs uh, in the WNBA and some of the things that WNBA has to face that I wanted to be part of that full fuller portrait of her. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it, it, everything about Sue has been so fascinating because she is the girl next door. I thought you described her perfectly, even going back to her upbringing in New York and things that her dad and her best friend had said about her. And you had, you know, bites from, from Lauren Jackson and Swin Cash, players that had played with her. So it's interesting. Everyone kept talking about the fact that, oh, Sue's coming out in this article. I actually found fascinating many of the other things you talked about, like that, um, you know, when she had to make a decision about re-signing in Seattle and some career things and just, you know, how how she works. You know, I, I mean, I think when you look at a, a a player that has performed at such a high level for so long, and is just admired and endeared by the public and, um, you know, someone who relates to all types of people. I mean, when you think about women's basketball, no matter what level, you think about Sue Bird. And so for her to be the face and and to take us to this place, and it's even more interesting hearing you say that that wasn't even on the topic of discussion as far as her sexuality to start. Um, As a writer... I'm just curious, how do you decide in what directions to go in? I think whether it's Sue Bird or or anyone, you've always had the ability, Michelle, because of the respect that people have for you as a writer, because of the relationships, because of the work you've put in. There hasn't been really an event in this sport that you've missed. Um, You know, you have the ability to get things from people that are not others can. So, what happens in that space that allows you to kind of take a turn on a piece like this or, you know, just to, to, to go into a place that we haven't seen someone like Sue Bird go? Well, what I think it is and what I, what I hope it is um, for any writer who covers the sport for a long period of time is that they've seen you. You know, that they, they know that you're there writing game stories, you're writing previews, you're writing reactions to um, – you, their their um, greatest accomplishments and that you've been sensitive to the times when they've had their toughest defeats. So they're not looking at you. It's it's not a um, a case where 
they don't trust you. You know, they know that you care about the league, you care about them. You're a journalist, and and obviously there's that you know that separation between uh, a, a journalist and and anybody that uh, that we cover. That's a re- sort of respectful distance. But they, I, I feel like the players. If if there's one thing that you hope the players would know about you is as a media person is that you care and you want to do the the best job you can you when you write a story the the best compliment you can get is if somebody who either knows that person or that person says hey that that was me you that you got it right there's nothing you know that you want more than that so going into that whole process it was the idea of sue being um celebrated uh at this point in her career when um, a lot of people, you know, can't. It's it's hard to to keep playing at a level when you're when you reach your mid thirties. There's a lot of things that can that can prevent that, and so it was a celebration of her in in what is her other hometown now, Seattle. And again, the the conversation was just about us talking and and having that trust, but also me sensing, okay, I think she is ready to do it. And you know what? If if I would have brought that up and and just for you know. This was probably after four hours of talking about other things, honestly, that we that we got to this between two different conversations. If I would have, if she would have said, you know, I'm not really sure, I, I'm not really ready for this, that would have been, I, I wouldn't have pushed her on it. I think mm-hmm. that's too personal and private a thing, but she was ready at that point for somebody to ask her, and so I really appreciate that she had that um, that trust in me, you know, that that she was mm-hmm. able to do that. And there's one other thing I wanted to, to say about this Lachina that, uh, to me, in terms of why I feel like she's so relatable but also an important figure, is Sue's really honest about the fact, you know, she grew up on Long Island uh, in not the most diverse place, you know, in, in the world. And she even made a joke that most of her weekends were, you know, going to sports practice and going to bar mitzvahs. Um, and when she went to Christ the King for high school, mm-hmm. It was a much more diverse environment, and one of the things she told me is, I've through sports, I've had more of a front row seat for the crap that people have to deal with, and, and that she was specifically talking about African American people that have that are her, her are her friends, and I think one of the things she, the reason she started to speak out, we saw this last year with the with the so many of the WNBA players being brave enough to speak out in terms of Black Lives Matters. Sue wanted to be an ally for that. So I think that was starting to open her up too. the idea that she wants people to know how she feels about topics that some people say are controversial, but are really close to her heart. All those things kind of came together in my mind uh, in what she was willing to to share with me and, and talk to me about and what I hope then came across in the story. Yeah, no, that really, really did. And you're right. You know, she at one point, as we heard in the interview, she said, you know, it's been this next generation. And I'm sure you've seen this as well, that this next generation of players is just a little different. You know, they've had a different level of exposure to the world via social media. You know, they are part of this reality TV kind of uh, world, but also just a world that's more inclusive than it it has been during my time, during your time, during Sue's time. And so um, 
out of the mouth of babes. You know, that's a, a saying that I know my mom used to, to use all the time. But sometimes it is that those younger players, it sounded like, at least from Sue's standpoint, that uh, may have given her some strength in, in looking at things differently in terms of how she could use her voice and how she could be a leader. Um, but it was just a wonderful piece. Fans, if you have not read it, Michelle Vopel, uh, and I can't even come... I would love to say it's your best work, but you have so many best works. I, you know, I don't even know where to put it, but ready to let you in. Um, it can be found on ESPNW. And Michelle, I just want to say in closing, I wish we had more time to talk because, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of articles that have been floating around. One of them in particular talked about the need for more drama in the WNBA. And, you know, we can, we can talk about that article in, in a way that, you know, there's some, um, some gray areas there it may not just be black and white in terms of how people feel about that imp- opinion, but we need more Michelle Vopels. That's what I would say. I mean, the relationships you've built with WNBA players, the way you've covered it top to bottom, if we had more people that were that committed to getting to know these athletes and whatever it is they're passionate about, whatever it is they want to talk about, just engaging more in that and sharing that um, with, with, with fans and with potential fans, um, I think it would be amazing what we would see happen to this league and for this league. So thank you so much for everything you do and for your time and for joining us today, Michelle. Very glad to do it, and thank you for such a nice compliment. I, I appreciate it. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. So this week's Out of Bounds, we have to catch up on what has transpired. I honestly thought this entire <laughs> episode of power was a dream i'm not even kidding i literally every other scene i was like he's dreaming this is a dream this isn't real he has to wake up and if you haven't seen this episode just yet then i'm not saying spoiler alert you're bad you should have caught up too bad (laughs) it's 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 too late you've had like five or six days (laughs) like it's gonna be on demand tomorrow night so it's too late for you now but ghost is finally free I am so happy Ghost is free, Tarika. Okay, so Power is like my favorite show. I hope, I've heard that they're going to end it, but I, I hope that this is not the final season. Um, I, I'm happy Ghost is out, though I did understand Ghost needed to be shaken, okay? I've told this, I've said this to you, Chanae, before. He has brought a lot of this on himself because no Ghost did not, you know, commit this this crime, this murder, but he has committed other crimes and other murders. So a lot of the things that Ghost goes through is just, in my opinion, karma. But I am happy to see him out because I think he's been humbled. I was happy to see that Angela Valdez is not the horrible human being that I really started to think she was um, after she brought the charges against Jamie. But there's still a lot of problems lurking around the the storyline, though, Tariqa. We haven't gotten off free at all. Absolutely not. Like, this is going to be interesting how this dynamic is going to switch because you still have the issue of whether or not the guy in jail, Tarazi, is Tommy's dad, which I think it's Tommy's dad. But I was listening to the His and Hers podcast last night with Jamel Hill and Michael Smith. And Jamel actually brought up a point that I think is interesting where she thinks that he could possibly be related to Holly. Which is why the situation where Holly keeps coming up, where Tommy finally gets it off of his chest, that Holly is, you know, is dead and how Tasha was kind of the person to okay, you know, and give him that comfort like I got you. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic this whole time thinking one thing when it could very well be something different. You never know what the writers have in store. 
I had not even thought about that, but I do want to go back to the point that you made about it being a dream because when he killed Charlie Murphy, I thought that was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen on television. I mean, you know, Charlie Murphy's character, obviously, rest in peace, Charlie Murphy passed away in real life, but he killed his character who is a was a security guard at the prison and it was gruesome. I thought it was, I honestly thought it was a dream because that was scary to watch. And Ghost looked like a monster, which he is kind of a monster. Uh, before we leave uh, this, because I think you wanted to bring up another show, Tariq, his son, is annoying. He needs to get, like, if I was his little sister, I would just, like, I would do something, hey, this is bad, because I have older brothers and sisters, but I would tell on him. I was the tattletale in the family. I would no doubt tell on on Tariq if he was my brother I'm just putting it out there I agree I think Tariq is super 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 annoying like if Kanan's cousin actually took him out next episode I would not be upset about that I mean oh I, I don't know, say that I know, Tariq I, but I, I gotta be honest to myself and I have to be honest to the fans I would not be upset about that but I think sometimes you put yourselves in situations well he was a naive person and he was very gullible and I mean the way he was flipping on his sister and just just being extra, being grown. He needs this. He needs this as a learning experience that he's not ready for this life that he so wants to condemn his father for not introducing him to. He's not yeah. ready for it. And, yeah. and I think that's important. Um, but before we go, we have to also make sure the fans know that there is another hot show on HBO. And no, I am not talking about Game of Thrones, even though that is the hot <laughs> show. <laughs> I am such a Game of Thrones fan. But Insecure Season 2 actually premiered on Sunday. And I am here for it. It's Me too. Lawrence, um, he has some soul searching to do. He saw he saw them boy shorts and he was he was here for it. He couldn't control himself. But can I tell you this? He was trying to get her to come to the back. I was kind of surprised because as a woman, I know these signs. Like when he said he needed to go get something out of the bathroom, how does she not follow him to the bathroom? Like she almost blew it because she wanted to spend some intimate time with him clearly anyway. So when he said that, she sat down in the living room. I was like, girl, you've been thinking about this man all this time. And he is like inviting you to the back. Anyway, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm just Lawrence stating is what so I full of happened. it because he knew he didn't need nothing out that bathroom. It was nothing That's in there. That's what I'm when saying. She, when she he came to that door in them boy shorts, he was like, <laughs> maybe I need more than male. Like, he knew what he was doing. I know. He didn't know what he was doing. But it is a great show. You know, her and her best friend, I mean, they remind me of me and my best friend. I think her name is Molly. Just having you know, regular girl conversations, some of the things that happen to them, whether it's work or in their friendships or relationships. I mean, there's like things that happen to me and Tarika. So, um, or you for our listeners. So check it out, give it a shot. Um, but yeah, two great shows that we'll be talking about all summer. Absolutely. So fans, uh, it's been real. It's been a great show. We appreciate you guys checking in. Um, as LaChina stated earlier in the show, please make sure you follow us on Twitter. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson. I'm at she knows sports underscore hashtag around the rim. Please leave us your thoughts, concerns, questions. I always love when I get Twitter uh, comments from you guys. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.